Patrick Patterson, and you're listening to the NTTB Podcast. All right, and welcome into episode 15 of the NTTB Podcast. And in, in keeping with the uh, the Thunders, their ability to, to take the high road, their their option, they, they, they take the high road right. when it comes to things. So, since today is a special day. It is. Uh, today is Kevin Durant's birthday. September 29th. Yes. So, his 29th birthday, correct? His 29th birthday, yeah. yeah he's born in 88. He's getting, he's getting older. Yeah, he's becoming an elder statesman. Yeah, he is. So, uh, so since it's his birthday, I've decided that I'm going to go ahead and sing him happy birthday. Do it. Okay, so... Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Kev. Oh. Again? Again with the breaking news? Breaking news. What is it? <laughs> that has to be happy. That has to be good news. That has to be like... So does that mean that Samaj, Kristen... The Thunder finally bought into his uh, his second N- year. No, but he's doing really well at the training camp. Oh, is he? Okay. Yes. So, so what happened? Uh, Russell Westbrook signed his five-year, $205 million contract. Nah, you lying because, you know, he was supposed to go to the Lakers next year. Hey. Straight cash, homie. <laughs> That's a lot of money. That is a whole and, ton of money right yes, there. Yes, and Sam Presti just has one question for you guys. What's that? Are you not entertained? Yes. Are you not entertained? This is not why you are here. This is, this is why we're here, Sam. This, so, is, this is exactly why we're here. <laughs> including this year, uh, Russell Westbrook now signs the largest contract in NBA history. Six years, $233 million. <sighs> now, that much we know. That's crazy uh, money. Last week, we talked about him recently re-upping with Jordan for 10 years. Uh-huh. It's estimated to be somewhere between 250 and 350 so let's just call it 300 even, right? Okay. So between 300 and 233, Westbrook in a matter of a month has made half a billion dollars. Damn. And all he had to do was sign his name on two pieces of but paper. But remember, okay, so he's made, he's made about half a billion dollars, but per that report from ESPN, he's only going to get about $250 million. He's only going to get about half oh, because okay. of taxes and all that good stuff. Yes, so, so we should feel bad. We should feel bad for him. Yeah, he's... he's He's not really going to be a, a half billionaire. He's, you know, he's hey, he's going to be struggling a little bit. This is bit. all he's saying. One million dollars. Every game. <laughs> so I saw something on Twitter that said that um, Russell Westbrook is going to be making the average teacher's salary. Was it four minutes In into four a game? minutes of, into game so, one. So into game one of the season, he's going to be making the same amount in four minutes at the eight-minute mark of the first quarter that teachers make on an average salary. Yeah, so. let's, let's think about that. I think it was Royce Young that put out there on Twitter. Uh, Russell Westbrook, before taxes, will make five, uh, $569,615 per game. That's this year. That's not including the new money. Yeah, that's not the new money. That's not new money. That's this year money. So, Next year, which is year one of the new five-year contract, uh, $35.3 million. That's crazy money. That is just that's stupid. That's, I mean, when you look at money like that, it, like you don't see that in sports. Like we, I guess we're starting to see that now in the NBA. 
And so Russell has signed the largest contract in American sports history, I think, yeah. ever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's going to be broken from here on out, from every year from here on out. Well, Matt, you remember, who was the first $30 million contract? It was Jordan. No, it wasn't. Who was it? Uh, Mike Conley. No, no, but Jordan got a one-year – didn't he get a one-year $30 million contract? I don't, like his final few seasons in, with Chicago? I don't think it was that high. I thought it was. No, well, remember, well, okay, in the new modern era with okay. the new money – Mike Conley was yeah, the Mike first Conley. to get the thirty million dollar contract. Yeah, so so I mean, and it's already been broken like four or five times yeah, since so then. In the span of like two years, we've gone from thirty million dollars per year. Oh my gosh, to now you know Westbrook. Harden. I think you said Westbrook will be making forty one year three of this contract. Yeah, so he's going to be making. Uh, let me see. I, I believe it was. Let me pull out the phone. And so see. while while we're looking that up, Russell Westbrook said. I said it before, and I'll say it again. There's no place I would rather be than Oklahoma City. I'm so honored to have the opportunity to continue my career here with the Thunder. From day one, the support that Mr. Bennett, Sam, Troy, and the entire organization have given me and my family has been incredible, and we are so grateful. When you play in in Oklahoma City, you play in front of the best fans in the world, and I'm looking forward to bringing everything I've got for them to this city, for this organization. Why not? Yeah, that's – I mean, that's – that's Russell Westbrook right there. That's Russell. That's Russell Westbrook in a nutshell. Um, it's great to have him within this organization. You know, I was, I was talking to my wife, and you know, she's like, she was asking me about the contract and about you know Westbrook actually. What's his big deal with Oklahoma City? You know why? Because because we we we're, we're pragmatic. We're pragmatic enough. We're realist enough to know that as far as desirable markets, especially for a superstar athlete. Oklahoma City doesn't really compare to the Miamis, to the New Yorks, to the L.A.s, uh, Chicago's, places like that. And so, she, and, and so I told her it's all about loyalty with him. You know, some people come into the league with their own set of morals, their own set of standards. And Westbrook has always been very big on loyalty. The Thunder took a chance with him at four in the draft that they drafted him. You know, nobody looked at Russell Westbrook and said, that guy is going to be a future, you know, 28 to 30 point per game scorer. Uh, an all-star, a uh, an MVP candidate. Nobody looked at you know. They said they looked at him. And they said he's very athletic. He has defensive potential, which I don't know where that went, but he has defensive potential. Oh, it's there when it's he there wants when to he be. wants exactly. But he has defensive potential, and it's some he's somebody that maybe within this new NBA could get into the lane and cause a little bit of havoc there. Um, but the guy is extremely loyal when it comes to people that believe in him you got to understand he wears he wears number zero for a reason he has this chip on his shoulder that basically he thinks that nobody believes him going all the way back to high school yeah, going he, all the way back to college he wasn't highly recruited no he's a three-star he, was, he yeah. wasn't even a five-star and it wasn't star. until he actually got to uscla where he started showing out people started seeing a little bit of something yeah there but even then it was still like yeah yeah but mm. so i mean some so some guys and that's why, you know, as far as the divergent evolutions between Durant and Westbrook, is you see Westbrook, and Westbrook is a person that is very comfortable in his own skin. And so he has these set of, these set of morals, these set of this code that he lives by, and loyalty is a big part of that. And so him coming back to Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City showing him, him love and giving him the full amount, like, you know, like Presti said, this is not a negotiation. The contract is there. Yeah, it's, it's the ball is his, in his, his court. Yeah, it's up to him to sign it. Um, so, you know, it's 
it's awesome that he did. It's step one as far as, I guess, what you would say, the Thunder forward movement. You know, going mm-hmm. past the whole Kevin Durant debacle and moving forward from here. And I think in year two of that, you know, year one was last year. Year two of that, this has been all aces. This oh, he's – so, again, I reiterate, Sam Presti is the executive of the year. Yeah, Sam Presti is the MVP. I don't – you know, I know you, you give it to players – <laughs> but as far as, as what he's done for this one team and what he's done to kind of shake up the landscape of the NBA, at this point, you know, forget executive of the year. He's the MVP at this point. I know he's, you know, I, I'm not stupid enough to know that he's going to win it. Um, but, I, you know, at this point, he has affected the game so much that it's almost like an MVP-like season. Yeah. They're very much, um, again, we called it, you called it, we said be patient. He's been busy. Yeah, we think he's going to sign it. Just be patient. Write it out. Uh, considering that today's Kevin Durant's birthday, a little bit of pettiness in there, that don't you think? That wasn't petty. That was, you know, that was some grade A you know, psychological operations <laughs> type military grade, you know, just messing with your head, mental warfare type that's thing. Cyber warfare right there. That's, that's what that was, man. That's the same thing with, like, the, the photographer stuff that he wore on the first game against uh, Golden State last season. You know, so it's a little something to get inside your head. It may not work. If you're fragile, it may work. If you're mentally fragile, but it may not work. But, hey, just have a little bit of fun with it. He's having a little bit of fun with it. Yeah, so on the Oklahoma City website, um, of course, it has a picture of Russ Brook. It says lead on. It also has, I guess, a new hashtag, Russ Forward, R-U-S-S Forward. And then it also has, uh, I guess, the new motto for the new season where it says tomorrow starts now. Uh, what do you think? Do you like it? Uh, yeah, I love it, man. I, I love the whole, uh, I love the whole just moving forward. Tomorrow starts now type thing. Um, I think it's just awesome. I think you know, it, it, it's sad that it has to come back almost to Kevin Durant, um, in that you know we're moving forward from that. Um, but I'm good with it. You know, it's it's a new direction. It's it's like a, it's like that song from uh, I don't know who sings it. Uh, but I know it's a soul singer. And she's like, you know, it's a new dawn. It's a new day. It's a new uh, life for me. We're moving on. We're moving forward. Uh, Durant can go ahead and keep on tweeting and do what he has to do and clap back at whoever he has to clap back at. Uh, but we're going to do our thing, and we're going to move forward from there. Okay, so moving forward from there, uh, Carmelo can opt in. He has a player option next year. Okay. Paul George is going to be a free agent. But putting that aside for now, uh-huh. uh how do you like the team? Um, How do you like the makeup? Oh, I love it, man. I love the makeup of the team. I think I think uh, we're having a little bit of a problem with our uh, our periscope, so it's all good. Um, so I think the uh, the makeup of the team kind of changed for the better here um, in that you basically got a power forward. Uh, you basically got a power forward that can – completely and utterly stretch the floor you know it's not even a you know it's something that it's this is not this is not DeMontis Sabonis this is not and heck you know this is for for all intents and purposes as far as Patrick Patterson Patrick Patterson is a great player uh in his own right as far as being a uh as far as being a role player um but whenever you have the ability to get something somebody of Carmelo Anthony's ilk you do it you know and and especially as a third option. Like I've always said, if you get Carmelo as your first option, you might have to think long and hard about what you're giving up to get him. Second option, 
still a little bit leery. If he's your number three, you do whatever you have to do to get him, you know, at, at a certain cost. Um, so getting him in there, I think it's, it's great. I think it's, you know, like, like we discussed last, you know, last uh, podcast, this, is, this was the right move to make. Okay, so the uh, salary cap hit and the, um, the hit for the Thunder this year. This is going to be the same as, as it was before. Right, but the hit in the tax and all the repeater tax and, and the, the uh, luxury tax and everything for, this, the, for the Thunder team this year is going to be about $150 million. That's including the um, luxury, tax. luxury tax and all that other so, stuff. Yeah, so, so as far as salary-wise, it's about um, – and I have it on my, on my site, but it's, it's about $128 million so far in salary. Right, and then uh, I think have. with the $12 million and extra then, from Carmelo, it puts it up to about another $24 million <laughs> with the luxury so, tax. So, I mean, so just looking it up. So altogether, so far, we have about $130 million in total salary. And so if we keep it at – it's about 132. So if we keep it at that um, and looking at, you know, we're about um, $13 million over the salary cap, uh, over the luxury tax. Uh, so we would pay in about $25 million, uh, on tax as far as our tax bill. So in total, you're looking at about 150 150 Yeah, 150 for your total salary bill. That includes the tax. Now, moving forward. So that's this season. We're willing to pay it because that tax amount is not a repeater tax amount. Well, I would say that's well worth it. 150 well, yeah. is well worth it for Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, and Russell Westbrook. Yeah. So moving forward with this, let's say we we go down to next year, um, and so we go to we go to next year, and we are at the first year of Russell's new extension. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's say we re-sign. Paul George to a, let's say, three years, $85, 90 million contract, okay? And let's say we somehow convince Car- uh, Carmelo Anthony to come back for, let's say, two more years at about $25 million a year. You will be looking at a tax bill, not a salary, you know, total bill, a tax bill of about 140 to $150 million, including the salary. So you're looking at salary with that, you're probably looking at about $300 million total. So this team, if it, if it were to be kept intact for the next two to three years, uh, not including this year, but you know, for yeah. two, two or three years after this year, you're looking at about a doubling yeah, it's, it's what you're going to be paying for the next two years. So to, to keep this team together for the next three years, you're going to be paying about – $150 million in tax, just in tax, for the next three years, for the next three seasons. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. But if it brings rings or at least finals appearances, is it worth it? That's, that's I mean, that's the big question as far as, like, as far as knowing the mechanics of how NBA owners get their money. Like, NBA owners get a lot of their money from just investment as far as the team goes. So you buy a team for $80 million, you hold on to it for about 20 years, you sell it for $1.2 billion later. That's your investment right there. That's where you make your money. While you're in season and while you're playing, where you make your money is kind of a little bit shaky to me because you can go ahead and say, oh, you know, 25 extra games in the playoffs. But, I mean, does that really make up for having to pay $150 million in Luxury tax and then $150 million in salary. 
So as far as I, I, I don't know how they get paid. I don't know what I don't know what one game how much that is to an owner's pocket as far as how much they make. Well, I would imagine this is just me. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that one game or games deep into the playoffs breed new fans, yeah. breeds new merchandising, breeds jersey sales, breeds uh, team sales. But enough to pay. You, it, I mean, I don't think it's going to be enough, but that money comes in. And then, at you know, at the end of the year, of course, you have the revenue sharing and whatever, you know, and that's yeah. like we talked about last week. Uh, most said that they lost money, but that's where most teams with the revenue sharing and whatever their slice of the revenue sharing is puts them from the red to the black. Yeah. I guess, I guess the question becomes, so our ownership group is not rich, 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 rich. I mean, they're rich. They're wealthy because they own a basketball team. You have to be pretty rich rich to do that. Um, But as far as talking about billions of dollars that, you know, oh, they have billions of dollars of capital, like other team, um, other team owners do. I don't think Oklahoma City has that. So I think, you know, I don't know. If, I don't want this to be a one-year run because uh, that would kind of, you know, take the wind out of the sails. You don't want it to be the was it 98 Marlins? Yeah, I don't want it to be the – but I don't see how this team can continue on with the amount of money that they're going to be paying out. You know, so if you want to keep the core together of the big three plus, you know, Steven Adams and let's say Dre – you, you, you either got to pay, or you're gonna have to cut, some, you know, cut, cut, cut somebody depth. loose. Yeah, no, not even depth. Like even like maybe even step Stephen Adams. Just say, hey, trade him to somebody in salary, and go from there. But you still, you know, even if you do that, even if you trade Stephen Adams, you know, twenty three million dollars salary, you're still gonna be so deep in the hole. You're still paying a whole bunch of money. Right, but at the same point in time, salary money's coming in, TV money's coming in, teams have got more salaries. It's just kind of the price for. Even for second and third tier guys, no, I, yeah. the the prices for second and third tier guys are just ridiculous. It's just kind of the cost of doing business. And I get that, but I wonder if it's a hundred and fifty million extra dollars worth it. Well, I guess it will all depend on how well the season goes. Exactly true. Um, so, but let's not be those people. Let's not be those people that uh, worry about the future. Yeah, let's worry about whenever the, you have a great present going on right here now. and now. The here and now. So you know. The here and now tells us that we have a big three, and it also tells us that one of our big three re-signed for five more seasons. So today's September 29th. We've already established this Kevin Durant's birthday, but it is actually the first official day of the new Nike uh, apparel going on sale. So the new jerseys went on sale with the little, you know, NFC app that you can, um, you know, get player stats and all yeah. that other stuff. How many Russell Westbrook jerseys went off the rack today after the news leaked that or news was dropped that his contract um, if, that if, he signed his contract? If there are any left, Oklahoma City's not doing a good job. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm serious. I mean, so well, I, the swing I, the swingmen are swingmen are one ten. The yeah. authentic game journal game worn jerseys are two hundred. I mean, most people got paid today. Yeah. So you know, it's it's the weekend before the first of the month. That's true. So most people got paid today. So maybe they spoiled themselves a little bit for a great September and got themselves a Russell Westbrook jersey. Or yeah. maybe you're listening to this podcast and you have not gotten yourself a Russell Westbrook jersey, the MVP, the guy that was, has been completely and utterly loyal to Oklahoma City. The Brody. The Brody. And maybe you need to go ahead and stop by the Thunder Shop real quick and get you a, a new 
beautiful Nike Swingman jersey. I think I will be picking mine up tomorrow. Yes, I believe so. Uh, if there's any left, but I'm pretty sure I'll be picking up my Russ jersey tomorrow. But I also will be picking up a Carmelo and a PG-13 jerseys. Um, within the season. Within, well, yeah, within the season. But hopefully by Christmas I'll have all three. Yeah. Um, and whether it's a one-time thing or whether they're here for several years, I'm just excited to have those guys. And it's just one of those things where you could say, like, it, you know, like people can look back and be like, nah, it really happened. Yeah, this, this, this could be a, a once-in-a-lifetime type season where you look at it and you're like, was there really a year where we had, you know, Carmelo Anthony, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook on the team? It goes back to that, yeah. uh, I've seen it on Twitter, the photo of a young Kevin Durant, a young Russell Westbrook, and a young James Harden. And the caption is, people will look back at this and think this was photoshopped. That's true, yes. Yeah, okay, so so this is something that I was thinking about. So the big three that we have now, mm-hmm. is this in essence a culmination of what maybe we would have seen if the organization would have allowed Harden, Durant, and Westbrook to mature and get into their prime. You mean if they would have paid the extra $2 million? <laughs> Yeah, if they, if they would have paid the extra $2 million. I mean, this looks like it's based, the combination. Based of, on how we see each individual player as they as they are now, mm-hmm. I mean, of course we saw years of Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant together, yeah. and then we've seen years of James Harden develop into the type of player that he is now. Um, you would have to bet that that would be – the toughest trio in the league oh, yeah. and it may have even killed the momentum of the Golden State Warriors had they stayed together at that time yeah maybe maybe they maybe they're maybe they are not born I mean, you know maybe maybe Golden State drafts somebody else to go against the Thunder maybe or or one of those players gets traded yeah. let's say that uh Kevin Durant projecting that their growth still develops and you know and all that other stuff maybe the fact that um, those guys are such monsters, and they, the the Golden State Warrior big three at that time, which would be Draymond, Clay, and Curry, can't get past them. Or yeah, maybe they trade. Yeah, exactly. and maybe one of those guys gets moved for another piece. Yeah, that's true. That's that's very true. I mean, it's one of those what ifs. It's one of those. But I, I think what we're seeing, what we're going to see this season, would be, you know, maybe what 2012, 2002, uh, 13, 2014 would have been with. Harden, Durant, and Westbrook in tow together, developing together, you know, getting to their primes um, together. Um, so I, I just I, – I, that's kind of something that I thought about, you know, just real quick after media day. Uh, but I, I do have one more question in, in terms of Russell Westbrook. So would it, would it have been better for the, for the organization if Russell would have played this year out and then gone into next season. And let's say he's still on the loyalty train. Let's say he's still going to sign with Oklahoma City. Um, but maybe he wants that the time to be a little bit less. So he would have signed a three-year contract instead of having to sign a five-year contract. Because the DPE, the Designated Veteran Player Extension, has to be a five-year contract. It would be a four plus one or it could be a full five. But it has to be a five-year contract you know, in writing. Um, but if he would have waited until next season, next season he could have gone into and signed a, a two plus one, you know, a, a full three, whatever. But the time limit is shorter, and maybe you can go ahead and play with the money because with the DPE he has to sign for, I believe it's thirty to thirty-five percent of the cap. Um, if you would have waited until next season, let's say next season they have a great run this year, and they go into next season and they're like, look, 
It was great this year. Let's all let's all three of us take less money and come back. I, I just I don't know. I, you know, kind of playing devil's advocate a little bit. Yeah, I, I was about to I was out, I was about to start writing a you know an article on this whenever the news broke that he did sign his extension. But it's just something that kind of creeped into my head where for both parties, for Westbrook maybe and for the Thunder, it might have been better in order to keep this team together for him to sign a shorter time and for a little bit less money than if he signs this monster extension and it kind of cash straps the team a little bit. Yeah, but at, at the same point in time, while I see one side of that, the other side I see is uh, something we you were mentioning earlier. We have been through the media, through just life in general, led to believe that uh, these small level teams, small or middle level markets, they're just not desirable. People don't want to go there. Yeah. I've heard time and time again that you know several people on different programs and stuff like that say, if I was in my twenties, I would not be living in Oklahoma City. Okay. So to that end, it's almost imperative that Russell Westbrook is locked up in order for them to move forward and attract some of these free agents to come play with him. It's almost one of those things where we say, hey, Russell's locked up. At Steven is locked up. Yeah. You know, we got the core here. We need you guys as the finishing building blocks in order to attract these guys to places that were, you know, according to other people, would not be attractive for these players to come individually. And I think Westbrook going into the season, not signing his contract and basically playing it out uh, would have done more harm than good mm. uh, to the Oklahoma City Thunder, even if he had planned on coming back the whole time. Yeah, I mean, this, this, this might have turned into a weird kind of, like, as far as building chemistry, you want as little distractions as possible. And, you know, if that would have been, you know, if he doesn't sign it by October 16th and that and you go into the season having basically three players that are all three coming up on the last year of their contract and they're all three superstars, it could get a little bit weird. You know, especially if you lose one, two games in a row, you know, two or three games in a row, um, you know, it could get a little bit weird. So, hey, I'm happy that he signed it. I was just – that's something that I was just thinking about as far as um, – you know, maybe it would have been a little bit more beneficial for the team, especially with their salary cap structure as it is right now, to have him take a little bit less and a little bit less years. But the main objective of a team is to keep their superstars. And so Oklahoma City had this tool in hand. They used it, and Westbrook reciprocated by signing it. Not just that. We're also, given all that Sam Presti's done, we're, you know, we're not taking into account – the magic that he pulls out of his hat every single year. Yeah. And I'm sure he's already been doing the numbers for a while, and I'm sure he has a plan in mind with or without Carmelo, with or without Paul George. I'm sure he has a plan A, B, C, D, and E. And, again, he's been able to pull off massive surprises. Mm -hmm. Carmelo Anthony goes on uh, was on uh, SiriusXM um, doing an interview talking about he, the deal was basically done for him and PG to end up yeah. in Cleveland, and it was killed at draft night. That was that massive five-team deal that would have netted the Cavs both, Paul George and mm -hmm. Carmelo Anthony. And then he also was under the – he was pretty sure that the Houston deal was done, uh, and he was going to Houston, and that got nixed at the last minute. Yeah. So, uh, and in between all that, Sam Presti sweeps in, trades DeMontis Sabonis, Victor Oladipo, and grabs Paul George, and then 
Carmelo opens up his list, and less than 12 hours later, he's an Oklahoma City And tournament. I just, I, I, you know, I think it was in that same article where he talked about where the Knicks went up to Melo and said, hey, Oklahoma City, is that a destination for you? Because I, I believe Sam Presti was on the phone. He was working the phones. And I believe the Knicks probably looked at their options of deals and said, the Oklahoma City deal is the best deal we're going to get. So, you know, as far as – you remember I told you that whenever I first saw the list, it was just Portland, Cleveland, and, uh, and Houston. Mm-hmm. And so that's the, I went to bed and I didn't think yeah, anything of three. it. Yeah. So I think whenever they – you know, maybe the original list didn't include Oklahoma City, but they brought that up to him. Maybe PG and West, you know, Westbrook did a little bit of backdoor channeling, backdoor talking with him, and then finally convinced them, and then it, you know, it went through completely. But I think the deal that Oklahoma City gave them was probably a lot more, a lot better um, in terms of what they got well, as compared to anything any other team could They offer. were dead set on not taking Ryan Anderson, yeah, definitely. which is the only thing Houston really has to trade. Mm-hmm. Good on them. I mean, that's <laughs> I don't want that guy to be – you know the guy that we traded Carmelo Anthony for, and it's one and it's one of those things that, you know, we we talked about earlier. Ryan Anderson's making fifteen, sixteen million dollars. He's making twenty one. Oh well, he's making twenty one because of the influx of money, yeah. and these middle level guys are just making that kind of money. And it wasn't necessarily the money per se, as opposed to he's got three years left on his contract. Exactly. And I don't think that you know they're obviously New York is not in a position where they can take three to five year contracts for older guys. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're definitely in a rebuilding mode. They're definitely focusing on Porzingis, Tim Hardaway, yeah. Junior, um, these younger guys. You know, that's going to be the death nail. That the death nail for uh, for Portland. It's not that they they have so much money wrapped up in salary. It's the length of the contract that they signed those players to. We're talking about three, four, five year deals uh, that they signed them in the summer of 2016. Um, so Portland is going to be cash strapped for the next two to three seasons well and on top of the cash strap portland was at a situation due to injuries mm-hmm. um they were what eighth they barely made it into the playoffs in the a seed yeah. and they got swept right yeah the west has only gotten better <laughs> i know uh, Yeah, you're not you're not gonna do that this season you, you're not gonna be five or six games behind the a seed and then put together a great last 20 games to get in you're not gonna do that this season there's too many teams. So, you know, Portland's outlook not only being cash-strapped, just the, the fact that there is only one top 15 player left in the East. In the East, and that's LeBron. And that's LeBron James. Mm-hmm. That means that all the other 14 are in the West. Yep. And some way or another, you're going to end up facing them if you're Portland. So I mean, the, the, out, the, that, the West is going to be like that, that battle scene in uh, – the Wolf Ferrell, San Diego. The Anchorman. Anchorman, yeah, where all four of the different crews come out. and It's going to be like that. It's going to be, you know, that, that's literally going to be what the West is going to be like, especially up top. So I'm proposing now to Adam Silver. What's uh, let's just go ahead and take the West All-Star team and about 10 of the East is East, uh-huh. and that, that's all going to be the West because there's not 13 no, all stars on the East right there, now. There, there really isn't. Like it should, it should just be. It should be the Cleveland All Stars, the Boston All Stars, and then the Western Conference, <laughs> and then All-Stars. everybody else. Exactly. Okay. Um. Something and, and Giannis. Yeah. So before, well, well, let's let's finish up with the Thunder, and then I've got some NBA questions. Okay. So just real quick. Um. So as far as the rest of Thunder news, so on Sunday, 
Um, they're going to have the blue and white, blue and white scrimmage. Tenth annual. Yeah, that they always have every uh, every preseason before the preseason schedule actually starts. Uh, so this this year it's going to be in Edmond North High School. Um, so starting at eleven, you're going to have a kind of a uh, pep rally, a Thunder Alley type yeah. situation going on, and then at two two p.m. is the game. Um, so you know those games are always fun. They're you know they're always you know very spirited. Um, and it's always just fun to watch them play together, you know, against each other and just have a good time out there. Uh, so if you're able to make it, you know, I know tickets are probably going to be very scarce. Uh, but if you're able to make it, you know, go out there and try to make it out, you know, make it out there. As far as getting a ticket, I don't know how to get a ticket. You know, good luck on that. I think, you know, they said something about only the parents and the kids that go to the school will get tickets. Something like that. But I'm pretty sure there's there's ways to sneak yeah. around that. I'm going to let's go, you know, I'm speaking on behalf of the mayor of Lawton. Uh-huh. Let's let's go ahead and throw Lawton's name in the ring. Yeah, man. So the Great Plains Coliseum? The, the the GPTC, Great Plains Coliseum. Let's uh Oklahoma City Thunder, let's let's go ahead and try to get a uh a blue and white scrimmage up here next year. Let's start to expand our brand outside of Oklahoma City in the metro area. Let's get it down to Lawton. Let's go um, have they had it in Tulsa? I think they have had it in Tulsa. Let me check. Have they so? No, they have not. So Oklahoma well, City, Newcastle, Choctaw, Moore, Bixby, Bethany, Yukon, and Midwest City. They haven't had it in Tulsa, but they've had uh, scrimmage games and stuff like that at the BOK Center in Tulsa. So, well, I mean, they 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 always have at least one preseason game yeah. at, uh, at in Tulsa. So hey, you know. I know it's only a, a, a was it two to three thousand seat arena. Yeah, um, but they host they host great graduations. <laughs> and they they used to hold the and, uh, and local the ho- high school basketball games, but yeah, but that got shot. it got intense. It's it's Lawton. I mean, it's, it, if you ever look up, you know the was it the fifty worst cities to live in in the United States? Lawton is usually up there. We're we're, we're kind of hood, but uh, but yeah, I mean just. If you know, if you can get that down here, we'll, we'll go ahead and make sure uh, security is is on high, and you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, give it a good show. So, uh, camp opened up on Tuesday. Yes, Monday was media day. Camp opened up on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wednesday, the first official photo floated out there of Paul of uh, Billy Donovan in a hoodie. Yeah, in the new um, <laughs> Oklahoma City hoodie, al- hoodie Donovan in the new Oklahoma City alternate. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, OKC in the front, orange with the blue hoodie, orange lettering. Yeah. Uh, so it looks like the hoodie mentality has filtered into the coaching staff. Are you for Hoodie Donovan? And if so, what would his 2K rating be? Oh, hell yeah. His 2K into, coaching rating. Hell yeah, I'm into uh, Hoodie Donovan. So here's what I see Hoodie Donovan. So Hoodie Donovan, because, you know, Billy Donovan played one season in the NBA mm-hmm. with, with the Knicks, very, very, very short shorts. So. I think Donovan would rock a hoodie with a jersey with very, very, very short shorts, high socks. And the Chuck Taylor? Chuck, yeah, Chuck Taylor, just some high top shoes. And his his 2K rating would be 86. And 86 and his, you know, his, uh, his top skill would be, I don't know, playmaking, ball handling. That's that's what I see as far as Billy Donovan. His top skill is arm folding. Hoodie Donovan. The arm folding stare. Yeah, the ar- exactly. Yeah, but I mean that's that's. So that's so he I didn't have with. he didn't have the hood on, but no, he did he have the hoodie on. He had the hoodie on, but he did not. have So the hood it seems on. like in we're still this is Oklahoma. Um, 
and even in September heading into October, we're still hitting it's 90 still degrees. Yeah. So I don't know how the hell he was in a hoodie hey. um, it's in all the about, practice facility. It's, it's all mental. Unless, it's all about a mentality. <laughs> so uh, the hoodie mentality is already filtering into the coaching <laughs> staff. Hey, man. If, if I can get if I can get, you know, Darko Radjikovic to walk around with a hoodie maybe, or even, uh, let's see, I don't know, Kyle Singler to be walking around in a hoodie? No. No. Okay. I tell you what, man. Although Kyle. the hoodie mentality, if, the, if that hoodie infusion could help Kyle Singler's game, because, again, I go back to this one. The dude played at Duke, and the dude was a sharpshooter at Duke. He was a sharpshooter at Detroit. There's a reason we got him. He's a pretty good role player in Detroit. But, you know, I, I, Kyle Singler, he's living the life, man. He's living the life. He's making $5 million a year. Doesn't have too much pressure on his life. You know, he's got a nice-looking nice looking fiancé slash girlfriend. And hey, man, you do you, man. His clothing game is on point. I don't know about all that. His hair game definitely isn't. <laughs> but, yeah, but he's still float tanking out there. He's still cupping out there. You know, so, hey, good for him. Good on him. He doesn't know how to answer a question very well. Um, but, you know, as we saw in, in media day. He does take you on a detour when oh he answers the question. Oh, my goodness, but, yes. You know, he's a very eccentric guy. Very. From what I, you know, the, from what I could tell at media day, very eccentric dude. And, you know, that's cool. I mean, he's very positive about it. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, he's doing him. So, it, yeah, he definitely is. you know, if that nets him, you know, some learning opportunities or whatever it is that com- com- camaraderie or whatever it is yeah. he gets out of it, then, then, then good for him. I mean, look, I mean, the Thunder haven't gotten rid of him. So, obviously, He's an okay locker room guy. You know, he's not necessarily a cancer or causing problems. Or there's a glimmer in practice. Like, they see something in practice. Uh. <laughs> hey, just because you see it in practice doesn't necessarily mean it translates like, to games. Like, you see a, like you, they saw a glimmer in Samaj Kristen last year. You know, defensive-minded, long point guard. Offensively, not very good. He's still working on that part of his game. But defensively, he has a, he has a chance defensively. I I don't know what you've seen from Kyle Singler the last three years to say, man, there's still that possibility in that guy. That guy is – he still has a chance. He's he got a, decent form. He has a I puncher's chance. No, nah, man. I give him that. He's got decent form. It don't go in. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the shot looks good. But it, but it looks good. <laughs> the shot looks good, but it ain't going in. All right, so let's go ahead and move on. So, I mean, we've kind of neglected to have – necessarily a, a thunder preview um podcast well, well last saturday it got blown up yeah it's been, it's been a little bit crazy these last couple of weeks so we're gonna go ahead and kind of do a fast track um thunder preview um because things have changed you know whenever whenever we first got paul george i went ahead and put out there that we were gonna get you know 53 wins give or take you know one to two wins here or there that was your prediction yeah, yeah. so either 55 so 51 to 55 with the 53 being the optimal um but I think that's changed a little bit. I think this team is this team is going to be so difficult to guard for those other, I don't know, 25 teams in the league that aren't the Golden State Warriors, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Boston Celtics, the Houston Rockets, you know, the, the San Antonio Spurs. Um, so as far as win-loss record, I've gone from 53 to – 61. 61. Okay, so let's backtrack. Let's okay. backtrack for a second. So you're looking at your new starting lineup of Russell Westbrook at point guard, uh-huh. uh, Andre Robertson at shooting guard, Paul George at the small forward, 
Carmelo Anthony at the power forward, or as he likes to say, it's just a number, which is tr- which is right. Yeah. Uh, there's really no power forwards in the game anymore. And then Steven Adams as your center. Yeah. And then coming off the bench, you'll have uh, now that Ennis Cantor's gone, you'll have Alex Sabrinas, Dakari Johnson, probably your no, backup center. Probably, as far as center goes, you're, you're probably going to go with Peepat. I mean, you're probably going to go with Patrick Patterson as your backup center. Now, I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, depends on how Dakari plays the first couple of months of the season. Maybe, you know, maybe we have a diamond in the rough there as far as being a backup, you know, center. He's, I don't think he's going to challenge to be a starter anytime soon. No, but I mean, he's definitely going to be listed as your number two center. Yeah, sure. Whether or not they play him at that, or whether or not he gets time at that, um, is going to be time will tell. Um, so you've got uh, Raymond Felton as your backup point guard, Alex Sabrinas as your backup shooting guard. Kyle Singler, Josh Hustis as your backup small forward. Uh, Patrick well, Patterson, Jeremy Grant as your backup power forwards. Mm. And then Dakari Johnson as your backup center. I mean, you got Death op- wise. You got options. I mean, yeah. as, far as, as, as far as small forward, you could probably put Terrence Ferguson out there. You could put Jeremy Grant as a, as a small forward. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that Billy Donovan is going to be able to do with, especially the second unit. You know, the st- starting lineup itself. It's pretty much, you know, set in stone as far as, you know, how we're going to go to begin the season. Um, but as far as the second unit goes, I think it's going to be all about matchups. And so if you have a big, you know, a big team that likes to play two bigs, um, you might see Dakari Johnson out there. Um, if you have – or you might see, you know, Patrick Patterson, depending on how they defend things. Um, so he's going to have a lot of options. Definitely, uh, I can see from your rotation, uh, definitely Raymond Felton. Alex Sabrinas, mm. um, Patrick Patterson, Jeremy Grant. And here's a beautiful thing. Here's a beautiful th- – I'm sorry, but here's a beautiful beautiful thing when it comes to having three top-notch scores. You're always going to have one of them out there when the, when, it, when the game counts. Oh, yeah, one of them's always going to be in there. And here's, here's the best part. They're all 20-point shooters. Scores. Scores. They're all 20-point scores. And then the 20-point shot, you know, it's new yeah, for the NBA. Hey. Um, they're all 20-point scores, and they're all – at times, can be ball dominant. Yes, yeah, they can. So, so I mean, it's, it's going to be like that. The whole, the whole staggering thing. Uh, whenever Billy Donovan talked about it, one of the one of the things that he mentioned was the comfort of the player in that role. And so, you know, you want to put the players in positions to succeed, of course. Um, so, as far as the combination of players that you're going to put out there, as far as what you know, I I think that Carmelo is going to be the first of the big three to get out of the lineup, you know. Um, but you got to understand, whenever you do that, you're taking that player out of the lineup twice in each half. So you take him out, let's say, at the six-minute mark of the first quarter. Uh, you bring him back either at the beginning of the second quarter or about two minutes left in the first quarter. And then you take him out again with about four minutes left in the second quarter and then bring him back with about two minutes left in the quarter, depending on, you know, what's going on out there. So that player, that one player that comes that comes out first, they're going to be shuffling back and forth. So as far as rhythm goes, you don't want to mess that rhythm up for a player like that. Um, so it's you know as far as as far as one of the big things for the season, it's it's how Billy Donovan handles the staggering number one, and how he handles the the bench lineups and the bench you know who who he puts in with the with the starting role players as far as bench goes, because you, it's not, it's not a hockey thing. You know, you're not taking yeah, it's five not a line out. change. Yeah. It's not a line change. You're not taking five out and putting five back in. So five, although I hope there'll be games where we'll be doing that in a lot of games this year. Yeah, I, th- I think so. But 
it, it's 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 finding that perfect melding combination where you have the best of both starters and um, reserves. In so there. as first as far as first one out, I agree with you. I think Carmelo's going to be the first one out. Mm-hmm. What I will go on the record as saying is that you won't see Paul George and Carmelo on the floor at the same time. I don't. Yeah, you won't. See I think that too it's much. always going to be Russell and Paul or Russell and Carmelo. Yeah. Um, and then I think Carmelo coming out, being the first one to come out, putting him in as the first one off the bench, basically to start the second quarter and then have Russ and PG um, take a – this is where they're going to take their break. I think you have Carmelo move to his natural position at the three, and then it allows him to uh, have the offense flow through him and I mean, with the second unit. The good thing about the second unit is that the, the person that's running the second unit, Raymond Felton, has experience playing with – Carmelo Anthony. Mm-hmm. They played together in New York uh, at the beginning of uh, Melo's tenure there. Um, so, uh, you know, there's a little bit of history, there's a little bit of experience going on there that can maybe help out as far as um, how Melo works with that reserve unit, what his role is going to be as far as give me the ball every time like an Annis Canner or let Raymond Felton kind of work it and see where to go from there and have the, the shooters of Brinas or whoever space out the floor and see where uh, Carmelo kind of goes. The one thing I liked about the signing of Raymond Felton is I've always liked, he's not the necessarily the biggest guy, he's not the quickest guy, but he's a very smart dude. Yeah. And he makes very good basketball decisions. He's consistent. Um, and I think that, again, the familiarity with Carmelo Anthony and the fact that he just makes nine times out of ten the right basketball play allows not only Carmelo to get the ball in the spots that he wants it, but it also allows the double teams to come and allows the open shots from uh, a Terrence Ferguson if, if he develops, and Alex Abrinas most definitely, yeah. um, a Jeremy Grant yeah, getting to the basketball, backdoor cuts, mm-hmm. pick and rolls, that kind of stuff. Um, and Raymond Felt is going to put the ball, and he's very good at getting into the lane. Yeah. Um, assuming, you know, of course, all this predicated on him staying healthy. Um, but – uh, he can get to the lane. You have a lot of pick and roll opportunities, and guess what? Stephen Adams uh, can catch the ball, and he can jump pretty high. Yeah. And all you got to do is just throw it in the vicinity, and he will be dunking on some dudes. So the the possibility of all these lineups is very intriguing. And then uh, when they go to their small ball lineup will be very interesting. Yeah, that'd be extremely interesting because you have so much mix and match that you can do with you know, whatever the other team throws out there. Um, so, like, you know, like we said last, you know, last uh, podcast, if you want offense, you're going to put a Brinus out there with, with the big three. Um, and then as far as the center position, you know, that's another toss-up where you can put Adams out there if you want defense, if you want post-defense. Uh, you could put Patterson out there if you want um, perimeter, you know, the big able to guard the perimeter and shoot threes. Same thing with kind of Jeremy Grant. Um, so... A lot of this season is going to rest on Donovan's shoulder as far as putting the right things together. And we've seen we've seen Donovan in his first season, whenever he had, you know, whenever the Durant season, uh, when they took the Warriors three one and then lost uh, in, in the Western Conference, he made adjustments in the playoffs pretty quick on the fly. Yeah. On the fly, yeah. So something, something that, that Scott Brooks has exactly. been cr- uh, heavily criticized on not doing. Yeah, so he he did that on the fly. You know, as far as. You know, the the Spurs series where we lost the first game, I believe, by 32. Mm-hmm. And then we went on to win that series pretty handily in six. Um, you know, he has the ability to adjust. He has the ability to kind of see how things are playing out and adjust to them. So with so many options, with so many weapons, it'll be interesting to see what Donovan does. So 
I said I said sixty. You said sixty. I'm gonna say sixty. I'm gonna say sixty. Sixty, sixty even. Yeah. What do you think? <sighs> so sixty and twenty-two. I definitely think we're the best, second best team in the Western Conference Finals. Okay. In the Western Conference period. All right. I think it's Golden State. I think it's Oklahoma City. I think it's Houston. I think it's San Antonio after that. All right. Uh, so I think I think the Warriors are are gonna get about sixty-five. I'm gonna say fifty-eight. 58? Okay. 58-59. Okay. Uh, which I think I, I, I think I put them at like 54, 50. I think I put them at like 54. Um, I think you put them at 52. Yeah, 52. Yeah. So uh, I think Car- the addition of Carmelo gets them uh, another f- another four or five wins. Okay. Um, and, I, and I would say that comfortably because, you know, there are still some teams in the West that are, that are tough. Um, yeah. There's still going to be a learning curve. So I would imagine there's going to be a couple games there where we lose just because still trying to figure each other out. And it's just one of those situations where, um, you know, it's a good problem to have. Now you're going to figure who's going to get. I mean, we're all pretty sure that Russell Westbrook's going to get the last shot. But now you have two, you know, two, potentially three guys um, that can all take the last shot if need be. And so it goes to see how, how uh, Coach Donovan is going to coach him up. Um, how selfish, how selfless they're going to be on whether or not, it, you know, if mm-hmm. they're just going to make the right basketball decision for the last shot, or if they're just going to, you know, like give me the ball and get out of my way. Like whenever I see, whenever I see this team, I always hark back to uh, watching the the Dream Team, um, the Dream Team show on NBA TV, uh, where they had that one or two hour uh, special about the Dream Team, and so one of the big things that Chuck Daly was talking about. Was that when they first got together, they were overpassing the hell out of the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't. You know, they were kind of. You know, they were kind of like, okay, you take the shot. No, you take the shot. You know, they were they were neutering themselves for the better of the team. They thought, um, as far as getting other players' shots, we saw a little bit of that in Miami the first year. Exactly. So, uh, as far as the adjustment period, I think that's where the adjustment period is going to come into play. Where Russell Westbrook is going to look around the floor and see so many options that he may neglect to call his number from time to time and it may lead to turnovers it may lead to him passing to a player who's not in as well a position to score as he thought he was um, so I think as far as the adjustment periods that's what you're going to see as far as overpassing as far as you know all three of them all three of them are going to be unselfish to begin with um, you know nobody's going to necessarily want to be the ball hog and so you might see some overpassing going on so I mean, there, there may be a a baptism by fire you know, a couple games into the season where they go, you know what? You know, it's just like it's just, like you said, Miami. Miami, until LeBron took the reins on that team, were a little bit lost as to what to do, especially in crunch time, especially. But once LeBron took the reins of that team and said, Dwayne, I'm sorry, this is my team, that team took off. Yeah, the who, who's Batman, who's Robert. Chuck Daly also sat Michael Jordan in the infamous scrimmage game where they lost – you know, they lost yeah. for all intents and purposes to Chris Webber and um, Bobby, Hurley, Bobby and Hurley and these other guys. He also sat Michael Jordan for pretty much most of the scrimmage Yeah, on purpose. On purpose. He wanted, uh, he wanted them to lose that game. Yeah, to, to understand that, hey, you know, Michael is obviously going to be the best player on this team. And then, you know, these guys, you guys have to and I, I, all come, you know, kind of sacrifice. I could definitely see a game early in the season where Billy Donovan does that, where Billy Donovan maybe – Sits yeah. Westbrook, or or as far as rotation wise, it, it's kind of a, a little bit finicky as far as compared to other games, and so maybe he does that to put a bug in the ear and say, "Look, 
you guys can lose. You know, you guys need to go ahead and come together. Each of you needs to kind of not not only know your role, um, but also take heed to the fact that if you have the ball, you're a natural scorer, go ahead and score. You know, if you have a shot, go ahead and score. As long as, yeah. Uh, and, of course, he's always going to be preaching as long as it's within the flow of the game plan of the offense of Oklahoma City Thunder, which Carmelo has said, um, you know, in his media day that he came here. He didn't come here to be a rebounder. Yeah. He was talking about he, he has particular skill sets in that he's a scorer, but he's also coming to apply that to the flow of the offense mm. that Oklahoma City wants to. He's already been uh, – he's already said he's he's more than happy to play the power forward for the position for Oklahoma City, um, something he'll take on. And I think given his size, he'll excel at because of the – you know, the way that power forward position has kind of evolved over the years. Mm. Um, they're very much more threes. Forward-ish, yeah. Threes with a little bit of more bulky body, Yeah, you know, I would say. Uh, and so – it seems like everybody's in a mindset to put it all together and yeah. win. Now it's again, are they going to neuter themselves initially um, by being too Passive. pass happy or too friendly? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess time will tell. I guess that's what these scrimmages are for. That's, you know, them melding together. Yeah. Um, they said they've been broken up into multiple groups with different people each of the last couple of days. And I think that also helps to build camaraderie. Um, and then, you know, the second unit, This how the second unit plays, um, how the other guys play, how the role players play uh, is going to lead to seeing how well these teams go. So with that being said, you have them at about 60. I have them at about 58. Okay. Uh, what percentage chance do you think they have to win the championship? Um, so everybody's staying healthy on all the teams. I'd say they have 30% chance. 30? Yeah. I still think I still think I still think Golden State is tough. It's very. I mean, tough. Golden State right now, for all intents and purposes, is the team to beat. Oh, right? Yeah, um, they're the team to beat. But I clearly think that we're a lot, a lot, a lot better. Yes, yes. and I think we have better role players. Now, I, I think a lot of it may have to do with playoff positioning and maybe who they face. I wouldn't say first round but maybe who they face in the second the round. The second round matchup, yeah. So if you mess around and maybe, maybe I don't know, San Antonio with a healthy Kawhi falls to fourth in the West, and so they have to face them in the second round, I think that could be an issue uh, for them. For San Antonio? Um, for or for Golden, Golden State. State? Yeah. Or if Houston, or maybe even, let's say, playoff neophytes, but tough as nails, Minnesota climbs up to the fourth seed. Maybe, you know, Carl Anthony Towns and and Jimmy Butler give the Warriors all they can handle. Maybe they stretch it out to maybe like a seven-game series, six, seven-game series. And so, you know, maybe that tires them out a little bit to the point where maybe the Thunder, who maybe maybe they have an easier, you know, run, can go ahead and kind of win maybe a six, seven-game series against the Warriors and then go on to the finals and go on from there. So as far as percentage to win, I have about 30, 30%. So this has been talked about a lot this week and a little bit of last week. The Thunder now have three 20-point scores. Uh-huh. Do you know who the other team was that had three 20-point scores? Uh, 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 Miami, right? Yeah, well, there's a, I think there was a total of four teams. No. Really? No, uh, Miami wasn't in. Mm, psh, I don't know. Minnesota. Who? Garnett? No, Minnesota had Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, and uh, – Oh, Levine? As uh, 320-point scorers. Really? Yeah. 
wow. I would never figure I, I would never guess that. You man. would never get I think it was uh I think the the four teams were Golden State, Oklahoma City now, uh-huh. the or uh, the Cavs and then the fourth team was Minnesota. The Cavs, really? I don't think has Kevin Love scored 20 Did, no, points per no, game. No, 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 it wasn't. Um Well, I think with the additional way that puts them at Well, I mean, yeah, I mean it's Or like, I mean um at the time, it was yeah, but Minnesota was that other team. Minnesota that's was that other okay, team. That's, that's that's weird, especially right. for a young team that is projected to go from thirty-two wins to fifty. Well, but remember, they don't have they don't have Levine anymore. Um, so I mean, they have a much better scorer in Jimmy Butler. So yeah. that, I mean, I could probably see that again, uh, but it's it's not having two having three twenty-point scores is not always the greatest thing in the world if you don't know how to use your role players. And so I think last year Minnesota. Being as young as they were, it was just basically, hey, we have three uber-athletic young guys, go score, but yet they didn't know how to use the well, rest they, of their role. They play. also have a coach who's more defensive-minded than he is yeah, offensive-minded. So, Yeah. All right, so, um, so with so many options, what is a crazy lineup, just one, or maybe if you have one or two, crazy lineup that you could see being trotted out there? And I'll give you mine. A huge Small ball lineup. So you're you're talking about Adams, Patterson, Grant? No, I'm talking about so Westbrook at the one, mm-hmm. George at the two, Carmelo at the three, Patrick Patterson at the four, and then maybe Stephen Adams. You know, maybe it's a it's a small ball lineup in that you still use Stephen Adams, but Stephen Adams at the five. Okay. So how do you like you, you look at a lineup like that? As far as the ability maybe to muscle a smaller small ball lineup and still keep up with them defensively on, on that end. You know, it's, you know we, we always talked about, oh, you know, using Ennis Canner and, and Steven Adams together against uh, the Warriors. That was never going to work because whatever man um, Ennis was guarding, he was going to be put in a pick and roll with, with Steph Curry and put through the, the spin cycle, basically. Right, right. But if you, now you have Patrick Patterson out there as your – second big and Steven Adams who Steven Adams for a little bit can guard the perimeter. You know, he won't be able to stay out there too long. I think that would be a very, I don't know, something to look at. Maybe just a big small ball lineup, a a big, a, a big death lineup basically where all four of the other players can shoot threes. And the center is of course, able to roll and able to grab rebounds, things of that nature. I'll give you mine, crazy lineup. Okay. And this is more purely shooting. Westbrook, mm-hmm. George, Abrinas, Mello, Patrick Patterson. Yeah, that's that's probably going to be your regular, probably offensive-minded small ball lineup. That's good. <laughs> That freaking lineup is going to be crazy. And then if you if, – if for whatever reason you just want to get one guy in the middle to do pick and rolls, you take Patrick Patterson out there and you put Jeremy Grant. Yeah, I, I mean, I can see that. And the thing about Jeremy Grant is you don't have to do pick and rolls with him. You can put you – you know, you can park him out in the corner and you have probably the best one-on-one um, point guard in the league. If that, if, that's, if that paint is open, he'll get past that. He'll, he'll well, get past and that's, that's why I said pick and rolls. You put him in there. You you get him, yeah. basically you give him the all the roles, and the guy can. We've already seen him jump out the building. Mm-hmm. So Westbrook Westbrook's going to beat his guy. So can 
Jeremy Grant keep up and catch those rebounds or catch those alley oops, basically. Yeah, I mean the, the problem with Jeremy Grant has always been as when you use him as a big, he's a horrible rebounder. I mean not horrible, he's just he's just skinny. Um, so as far as him being used as a big and depending on him to maybe grab rebounds, you're going to struggle in that department. Yeah. So, so well, uh, this lineup is obviously sacrificing rebounds for shooting. Yeah. So what? So what you do is you make all your damn shots. Yeah, but Which at the can do. but at the same point in time, if you have Westbrook, George, Carmelo, and Abrinas out there, you have four guys that can shoot from threes. Mm-hmm. Guess what happens when you miss from threes? Long rebounds. Long rebounds. Yeah. And no. guess who usually is uh, pretty clutch at getting all those long rebounds? Senor Westbrook. Senor Westbrook, yes. Mr. Triple Double. Mr. Tripped Up. All right, so um, who's your leading scorer for the season? That's a, that's a question right there. I, I'm going to say Paul George. Paul George. I, I, I would say Carmelo, but I don't think Carmelo is going to play enough time per game. Uh, to necessarily be the leading scorer. So I'm going to say Paul George also. I think Paul George is going to have a heck of a season. I think the ability of Westbrook to get Paul George the ball mm-hmm. is going to help. So I think that takes away from some of Westbrook's shooting. So I think his assist numbers and his rebound numbers go up. And I think his points come down a little bit. You're talking about Westbrook? Westbrook, yeah. So his rebound numbers are going to go up? Yeah, I think so. Well, because oh. uh, And I'm not saying by much. I'm not saying he's going out there grabbing 20 rebounds. But uh, consistently anywhere between 8 and 12. Yeah, I can do that. Uh, because you're going to have long rebounds. And, again, that man has found his way of getting those rebounds at the free throw line or higher. Yeah. No, I, I uh, and so with shooting abilities, you're going to have long rebounds. And so I think his assist numbers go up. I think his rebound numbers go up slightly. Mm. Um, and I think his points come down slightly. Almost like when uh, Kevin Durant was here, Kevin Durant was – like 25, 26, 27, 28 points every game. Mm-hmm. Westbrook was 23, 24, 25. So, so not, he goes back down to that a, Exactly, going back down to – and only only because and, – and here's the benefit of that. After coming off a triple-double season, um, it's not like he's going back down because he's deferring. He's going back down because he's making his team better. Yeah, that's true. That's I mean, believe me, um, if Westbrook still has the same usage rate as he did last year, we're, we're, we have problems. We have issues somehow, some way. Um, so his usage, usage rate, which was about 41%, should go down to about 34, 35, which is where his most optimal seasons are, which is not his most optimal, but the, the seasons where the team had the most success, that's where his usage, usage rating was usually at. So, yeah, I could definitely see that. I think Carmelo has nights where he goes off. Yeah. Um, but I think Carmelo, I think Carmelo's going to give you about 20 to 25, somewhere in that range. Yeah, I definitely see that, and and the thing about it is, he's your third option. Like whenever your third option can go off for thirty eight, thirty nine, forty points in a game, that's a great luxury to have. Well, let's just let's look at this just off the top of my. Let's go the top five teams in the West, right? So you're looking at Golden State, Oklahoma City. Obviously, we'll take we'll take uh, Oklahoma City out of that. Okay. Uh, so we'll go Golden State, Houston. San Antonio, and let's throw Minnesota, Minnesota, or the, or the Clippers. Okay, right in that Golden State. So let's let's do your matchups. You have Durant guarding Carmelo. Uh-huh. You have Thompson guarding George Robertson. Yeah, George, probably George because Thompson's so good defensively. Right. So then that leaves. But no, even I mean, so you st- 
So are you talking about death lineup or are we talking no, about No, no, I'm just, I'm just talking. Let's talk about starting lineups right now. Okay. Right? Because uh, your death lineup is basically majority starters and then. Take out yeah, uh, one or two guys. Yeah. You have, well, no, okay, so let's go, let's scratch that. You got Draymond on. So, no, okay, so, so yeah, okay, so we'll have Durant. Get it together, man. We'll have Durant on Carmelo. Okay. Draymond on George. Okay. What? Thompson on Westbrook. Okay. Okay. So then that leaves Curry on Curry on uh, Robertson yeah. and Zaza Pachulia on Steven Adams. Okay. Okay. They ain't gonna be able to guard all three all the time. No, they're not. That's that's I mean that's that's the thing about Golden State's lineup is that you're not you're not able to guard all four players all the time. But they have the luxury of being able to grab guard R three, right? At least they can put a good body on R three, right? Okay. So let's move to Houston. Houston's got Trevor Ariza. They don't have Patrick Beverly. An aging Trevor Ariza. They don't have Patrick Beverly you anymore. PJ Tucker. You got PJ Tucker and you got Chris Paul, who when he wants to plays, you know, and he's healthy. He's he's, he's a good defender. He's a good defender. So yeah. Chris Paul guards He's gonna guard Westbrook. Westbrook. Okay. Trevor Ariza guards George. And then PJ Tucker guards who? Um PJ Tucker is probably gonna guard uh, Carmelo. And so, so Carmelo will have a size advantage against PJ Tucker. Westbrook will have a speed advantage against Chris Paul. Yeah. Um, and then that leaves Harden on Robertson. Robertson and then Capella, Capella is the Adams. big man. Okay. So we have the advantage in that matchup. Exactly. And then San Antonio. You have Kawhi on. You can have Kawhi on George. George. Uh, LaMarcus on. No, I would say Kawhi on Anthony and uh, Denny Green on George. Really? So who, so you're going to have either Patty Mills or hobbled Tony Tony Parker guard Westbrook? I would, think, I would think Danny Green would probably guard that's, Westbrook. That's going to my point. You, they don't have enough to guard all three. No, they don't. That's, I, I, I mean, if, you, if, you, if you've listened to any of these podcasts, you know my thoughts on San I don't think I've San, heard any of them. <laughs> you know my thoughts on San Antonio, and I don't think they got that better, that much better at all this, this offseason. You know, so if you're, if you're going to constantly just – you know, just they, they lean also, on on they, Greg Popovich, yeah. which has worked. No, you know, don't don't get me wrong; it has worked. But I just think you're losing a little bit of that magic this season because you didn't replace any. You know, you didn't you didn't get better. You did as far as player personnel, you did not get better. You got Rudy Gay in there. Rudy Gay's coming off an Achilles injury. That's right; they do have Rudy Gay. Yeah, you have. They who, lost Deadman. They lost Deadman. They lost Simmons. You know, so. You know, and I'm pretty sure they're going to pull, you know, one of these players that we have no idea who they are. They're going to pull him out their hat, and they're going to put him out there. He's going to be one of those guys that can, you know, do 15 to 20 points, you know, in, in a spurt here or there. He's going to be the next Deadman. Yeah, exactly. But I don't, I don't think this team has, has improved as from, a, from a player personnel aspect. Now, they might, you know, they, they're going to – the San Antonio is going to San Antonio. You know, they're always going to do what they do, especially with uh, – with, uh, Popovich at the helm, but yeah, they. I, I think they they take a step back this year, you know. So, but I see what you're saying. I see, you know, as far as having three bona fide go to scores on your team makes it so much more difficult for other opponents to guard you. That can win their one on one matchups nine out of ten times. Well, yeah, not that. But Steve, but they also. I, I think they're also unselfish enough to know what to do with the ball yeah. if you see that other defender rotate over and. You know, Robertson flashes to the basket on the baseline, or mm-hmm. you know, or Adams is is completely wide open in the paint. Um, so 
so yeah, that's the thing. You have three players that can score, but I also think there's three players that are um, smart enough and have a high enough basketball IQ to know what to do with the ball if the if a situation presents itself to where a guy's open. Um, so okay, so kind of moving on. Any glaring weaknesses with this team that you see? I mean, the only thing I see is probably rebounding. Rebounding, and um, but as as we as we've seen with the small ball era, you kind of sacrifice rebounding for running gun, you know, space and pace type thing. Um, so I think you know rebounding is probably a weakness. Rebound, and I would say the secondary or the secondary, the uh, <laughs> the free safety, the, the, thund- the Thunder's free safety the, is just the, horrible. Their cornerbacks are definitely <laughs> uh, the uh, second unit. It's still like besides Abrinas, besides uh-huh. Grant, um, you're still kind of like yeah, you know you, you, they're in a position where they're still developing, but you know there's potential there, and you know that this new lineup can give them more freedoms and more luxuries to better. develop better. But you're still kind of a little hesitant. Uh, when, when, whenever you look at like whenever I look at bench units, you can't look at a bench unit just based off of what the bench is, you know. So you have to look at Abrinas as far as how is he going to how is he going to play whenever he's out there with Westbrook, with George, as far as, you know, being able to be that, that relief valve that whenever they go double team George or him, pass it to him, you know, is he going to make it whenever he has the opportunity? Same thing with Patrick Patterson. You know, you can't judge Patrick Patterson off of what he's going to do with an all-bench unit. You have to judge him on how he's going to do whenever he's out there with the starters as a small ball five, as a, you know, four out there. Um, so, yeah, I do think – I think bench. I think bench is whenever you have such a, a top-heavy team. I think that the bench is always going to be a weakness in that. You know, you're not going to probably have a Jamal Crawford out there. You're not going to have somebody that can come in and light you up for 20 points just coming off the bench. Um, you know, which is why they asked uh, Carmelo at a uh, at media day whether he was going to come off the bench. And he said, who, me? Yeah, who, me? Hey, P, they got me coming off the bench. But my my thing is, is I'm not looking necessarily – the. I would look at the bench as a whole, as a bench, mm-hmm. uh, in games where we need them to maintain and add on to yeah, the lead. Yeah. That's that's where – you know, it's just, again, new bench guys with the exception of Abrinas and Grant. Um, so I'm just kind of interested to see, and it's not necessarily a weakness. It's more of a concern. Just, I'm just I would like to see, can, can this bench unit go out there for five, six minutes at a time and maintain the lead at least not blow it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so let's move on to, uh, the preseason. We got the preseason coming up. Um, so starting October 3rd, um, you have the first preseason game versus Houston and Tulsa. Um, and then. Three days later, on October 6th, you have uh, New Orleans in Oklahoma City. Very shortened preseason. Yeah, it's four games for the Thunder. Um, and all those games are going to be paid, played within a, I believe, seven to eight-day stretch. Yeah, it's like one week and all the games are done. Yeah. So, anything about these games? Like The thing, the, the thing with preseason games is that you don't know who's going to play. You don't know who's going to sit. Um, you don't know what the team is using that preseason game for. Like, is the team using this game just to see – how the bench, you know, how the bench operates and maybe to see who their third uh, point guard is going to be between Samaj Kristen and uh, Isaiah Cannon. Um, you know, it's it's just very hard to put out a preview for a preseason. Well, game. obviously, we as Thunder fans are going to watch at least the first initial minutes to see if these three get on the floor together. Yeah. Right. And I, I, one of the games they added it to 
the TV lineup. So I think it's going to be on. I think it's the the New Orleans game. The Fox Sports, right? It's going to be on the TV. So it's going to be on Fox Sports Oklahoma. Yeah. So obviously we were tuning in at least for the first few minutes to see if they're out there together and yeah. see what they look like. Past that, I think they the they they use these preseason games as a continuation of the D League or of the Summer League. Mm-hmm. And uh, get these guys like Dakari Johnson out there. Yeah, Terrence uh, Ferguson. Terrence Ferguson finally gets exactly um, Isaiah Cannon, Samash Christian. Uh, see what the best combination is. Yeah, and then it also gives you. Um, I also think they're going to use this to work out any of the kinks in the secondary unit um, as far as the flow of the offense. Yeah, and, more, and just work kind of work out um, as far as. What's the, I mean, I guess what's the word I'm looking for? Not, not work out the kinks, but see what works and what doesn't work as far as schematics, as far as, you know. Yeah, so you're going to test out your plans. Your strategies, exactly. Uh-huh. Defensive strategy, offensive strategy. And it's a good thing for, you know, as far as playing Houston first. I don't know if he, what Houston's going to do as far as who they're sitting, who they're playing. Uh, but it would be good kind of to see this team go out there and how they're going to guard a team like Houston. You know, it's just and it's probably going to be just the first couple minutes, but it'll be fun to see that. Yeah. And our booze shift from Houston to the Clippers now. Our booze? Yes. Why? For one individual oh, player. Patrick Patrick Beverly. <laughs> All right. Um, so, so those are games that are coming up this week. Um, and then uh, just a little bit of NBA news. So D-Way decided to choose the Cavs over us mm-hmm. and Miami. I think, you know, they were on his list also. He said that uh, it was like peanut butter and jelly. Who said that? Dwayne Wade said him and LeBron was like peanut butter and jelly. It was just like a natural Oh, I mean, fit. That's, that's a bromance right there, man. That's, I mean, uh, you know, the, he's going to go He's gonna go probably with Le- LeBron. I mean, I, but as far as, you know, whatever, I mean, he's, he signed with them. But I'm actually, I'm actually a little bit relieved that he signed with somebody else. I mean, it would have been great to have one more guy in there that could, you know, put up 20 points. Um, but as far as fit goes, I don't think Dwayne Wade in this game fits that well. And I know he's fit well enough to become a Hall of Fame player and to become one of the greats as far as shooting guards go. I do, yeah, I know that. Uh, but as far as him being a role player on the team, which is what he would have been with Oklahoma City, I don't think he would have started. Um, as far as what he adds outside of just, you know, how he plays, he doesn't provide much outside scoring. As far as three point shooting, not anymore. Not anymore. No, yeah. never. He's well, never. He's never been that good of a three point shooter. Flurries here and there. Um, and as far as defense, I don't think he's what he used to be. No, he definitely um, looked disinterested at times in Chicago. Well, I mean that um, Carmelo looked disinterested in New York. I think a lot of it has to do with situation. Um, but as far as well, but I think uh, you know. He's getting up there in age as well, you know. Yeah, him too. Uh, he's been in the league for uh, for a long time, and I know Chicago was a hot mess. And basically, he did it to uh, accomplish a, a childhood goal and play for his childhood mm-hmm. team and for the money. Let's be honest, because Miami wasn't going to pay him that. Yeah. Uh, but you know, at times at spurts, he looked disinterested, but he also looked tired. Yeah, he did. He did. And you know, that team was a dumpster fire. Yeah, they they were pretty bad. But uh, I'm I'm kind of glad that that he chose the Cavs. You know. It was cool that he was actually giving us interest. You know that that makes us feel good as far as you know the the high that we're riding. You know with t- with the with the players that we got. Um, but I'm actual I'm actually pretty relieved that he chose the Cavs because I don't think he's a good fit as a role player on this team. 
Um, and then one more bit of news. So the Board of Governors decided to vote on lottery reform. And so the top three teams will have each an equal, was it 14%, 14% chance? 14% chance. Uh, and um, the vote was 28-1-1. One, 28-1-1. One. So the, the one team that voted against was Oklahoma City. And so the know, one team that abstained was Dallas. Was Dallas. And I think that's always been the case between us and that. Like Dallas always likes to abstain from from votes. I think they abstained whenever the Thunder, whenever Seattle the the Sonics became the Thunder. They were one of they were the one team that abstained and I believe Portland because of their relationship with yeah, the Pacific yeah. North uh Northwest, they um voted against. So in this case, so and the thing is the Thunder have always voted against lottery reform. You know, Sam Presti, um, Clay Bennett have always looked at the situation where, yes, they've had a great run and they've had, you know, great success in building this team. But whenever this team finally does come to an end and start as far as the uh, the Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook era, which will end with Russell Westbrook, the Thunder would like to have that opportunity to be bad and then to get better, get better. Exactly. Which is they did. They did the Philly experiment before Philly did it. And it, you know, turned out great for them. It turned out aces, you know, as far as how they drafted. Um, but as far as, you know, they view this as a defeat in their potential to rebuild once this era is done with, you know, I see it. Well, on the one hand, I see it like that, but I, he, okay. So Adam silver hates the tanking. Mm-hmm. This is his uh, attempt at ending the tanking. Uh, but now that the bottom three teams all have the same percentages, now it's just creating more tanking because <laughs> now I don't have to be the worst team. Yeah, now I, I just have to be the second or third worst team. Yeah, that's true. That, that's very true. So if I'm sitting here looking at six right now in the Western Conference, and I'm like, hey, I'm not going to be able to hang with these boys. Might as well start losing some games. And Might as well some start fan, losing some, some games. games. And then also, um, so they voted on... I guess penalizing teams that sit players, especially for um, big time games, prime time games, a hundred thousand dollars if they are healthy. So if you know, if nothing has come up the day before the game before, where they pull up lame or something like that, which I think you might start to see that. I think you might start to see situations where the game before they may have a calf pull, they may have a hamstring pull, or something like that, and they may walk off. The well, court. definitely a lot more soreness. Yeah, they may walk off the court a little bit gingerly or maybe you might start you might you might start to see the the word knee tendonitis start to creep into the vocabulary once again um but yeah so he's he's looking to take a stand against uh players sitting out primetime games especially not just not just primetime games but he's looking to make it to where if you're going to sit out a game make sure you sit out a home game not a road game because he wants those fans that buy tickets on the road to have the experience of seeing that opponent that is that who they you know they came to see, and if you're gonna sit out, you know this is also in the rules. If you're gonna sit out, you're gonna be on the bench. You're not gonna be in the locker room, or you're not gonna fly back to the city, well, to the you know where you came from. You're gonna be on the bench with your team. So yeah, I like it. I don't mind it. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see how many more injuries happen, sorenesses, mm-hmm. uh, tightnesses, tendonitis. Uh, yeah, tendonitis. You'll see. But I think I think at least for national games, it's going to decrease the number. I think so. Now, right. now here's the wild card: uh-huh. Popovich. Popovich has always been anti-league, and again, that fine is like up to a hundred thousand dollars. 
But you gotta remember, Popovich was the one that paid the two hundred fifty thousand dollar fine last time when they when they find him. I, I guess it was during the Miami Big Three that they were gonna play the Miami Big Three, and he just out and out sat his you know his five starter. I think it was five starters, and he sent four of them home. Um, he, they didn't even make it to the game. I mean, I think it was a big time yeah. TNT game. Yeah, yeah. And they find I think the league fined him two hundred fifty thousand. Um, so I think a hundred thousand to him is like, hey. Yeah, but I don't know if it's per game. That's what I'm saying. I, it's oh, like okay. a steep fine to discourage it. Listen, man, when you got players signing two hundred and one million dollar contracts, I think a hundred thousand dollars is a drop in the bucket to the team. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But it's also it's also like an fu to the league. It is. It's fu to the fans also. And, and I understand Popovich, and I guess you can't argue with their results. Uh, fully believes that they have prolonged the lifespan of the players mm. by resting them, and I'm not opposed to resting them. Yeah, I'm not opposed at all. But he also just like says the hell with these matchups and just sits them on purpose. Like they're not yeah. sitting against the fifteenth team in the West. No, they're, they're sitting. Against- they're sitting against the top five. Yeah, and that's. that's- as a fan, one of the worst things in the world is for you to tune in for a Saturday, Saturday night primetime game and have either the starters on one side, or I mean, I mean the star players on one side, or the star players on both <laughs> sides sit out the game because it makes that game horrible. And what makes it even worse is when you see them out there during, half, during timeouts or whatever, out there goofing around making layups. Yeah, and you know damn well they're just sitting down just to be sitting down, and they're out here playing the water the water bottle game and whatever on the end of the yeah, bench. Yeah, that's, that's the worst right there. Um, so, I mean, but the NBA has done a good job of creating a schedule that looks out for the primetime games, so that way they're not you know coming in from a back-to-back or something like, you know, in the second half of a back-to-back. Um, so there's, no honest, more, there's no more like four and five nights and no, stuff like that. So, so honestly – the players don't have any more built-in excuses just to sit out just because. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whenever that first team actually sits players out to see how the league reacts to it. Uh, but, I mean, other than that, we're talking about the NBA. We are talking about, you know, getting into games. And games start tomorrow, right? There's Yeah, there's games starting there's tomorrow. Games, there's preseason games tomorrow. So the season is right around the corner. We're down to 17 games. 17 days, I'm saying. Yeah, it's October, almost October 1st. Um, so it's that time, man. It's that time. I'm excited. You know, this this team has got a buzz about it. The city's got a buzz about it. Um, city's got a new life. It does. It like really, a, re- it, a renewed it, energy. Like, and it's going to be interesting to see. Like, I think Loud City gets to circa... Uh, 2012, 2000, 11, 12, 13 well, I think it was 2010 where we got ousted by the Lakers, but we set the record for that the game, decibel. Yeah, that game three was – that third quarter game three was crazy. That, that's still one of my greatest life memories, not even, not, not even sports memories. I'm pretty sure I, I, that's part of the reason why I don't hear as well. Yeah, oh, definitely, but that's one, of my, that's one of my greatest life memories right there is, is that game. I left out of that game drenched in sweat. That's how much I was screaming and jumping around like a madman. And then on top of that, trying to get down from Loud City to the yeah, it's nothing but beat OKC or oh, beat yeah. LA in the hallway. The oh, game's over. We won the awesome. game, and it's still just beat LA all the way down to your car. Yeah. And I think in traffic, people were saying beat LA. Oh yeah, that, I mean that was during the time. Was that during? No, that wasn't Thunder Alley. Uh, Thunder no, Alley. this was pre Thunder Alley. Was I think Thunder Alley was the fi- the next the following year. But I think I, I think the the seeds of people going into the tunnel. Um, next to the arena, 
and you know stopping their car there and bumping their music and having a, like a little you know de facto party um, kind of started from that point. But there's a buzz. There's a buzz around the city. There's a buzz around Oklahoma um, that harkens back to those to those years to the to the beginning years of when we started getting good when we actually made it to the finals um, and when we were a perennial uh, Western Conference finalist. Um, so it's starting. You know, by the time you hear from us again, uh, we will have played two preseason games. And so I can't wait. I cannot wait. Please make sure you check out the website. We're going to have pregame stuff. Um, you know, we're going to have postgame stuff as far as uh, reports from the game and things of that nature. But until then, we will talk to you later. Signing off. Signing off. Bye. Bye.